Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student, where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Welcome back, Scriptorians. We are headed back into the book of Enos as part of Come Follow Me, and we're finishing up March in 2020. Hope everybody's out there doing well and hanging in there doing all this pandemic and craziness that we've been having on. So this is a great story for those of us who maybe are having a tough time or struggling or wondering what in the world is going on these days. And I uh, think this story is particularly potent as we take a look at what has happening in the story of Enos. Last week, or last time, we discussed a little bit about the who, what, where, kind of the all about, and to set some of the context. And today, I wanted to just do a little bit about the first few verses. I made some notes, and man, I got just in this beautiful scripture study of just the first few verses. So I just thought I would share some of the ideas and some things that I was seeing, and, and maybe you can see the same things with me. I wish we had more of a forum to share the feelings instead of me all the time talking. So if you have anything, comment, um, share, Facebook, whatever, uh, let's chat about it. Let, let me read to you first the first couple verses. They're really powerful, and I uh, want you to watch for a couple of the words. He uses very particular words uh, in his writing. And again, this is a really short chapter, and it's a very particular theme that's going on, and really a powerful and unique one for us personally. So I'm just going to read a few verses. Behold, it came to pass that I, Enos, knowing my father, that he was a just man, for he taught me in his language, and also in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and blessed be the name of my God for it. And I will tell you of the wrestle which I had before God, before I received a remission of my sins. Behold, I went to hunt beasts in the forest. And the words which I had often heard my father speak concerning eternal life and the joy of the saints sunk deep into my heart. And my soul hungered, and I kneeled down before my maker, and I cried to, unto him in mighty prayer and supplication for mine own soul. And all the day long did I cry unto him, yea, and when night came, I did still raise my voice high that it reached the heavens." And there came a voice unto me, saying, Enos, thy sins are forgiven thee, and thou shalt be blessed. And I, Enos, knew that God could not lie, wherefore my guilt was swept away. Uh, what a beautiful story, beautiful story. I, As I was reading through this, a couple of things um, I, I jumped out at me, but also I really wanted to ponder kind of what was different about this or what this book is, the placement of the book, what the Lord's teaching us with this uh, this unique story. First, it's a 
personal conversion. It's it's a it's a man of God, a woman of God, like uh, well, obviously a man, but applicable to us women as well. Of how to encounter God on a personal basis, and I I was thinking, has there ever been other cases in Scripture of a personal interaction with the divine? My first notes were like, well, there were f- there have been a few, right? There have been a few of them. And then as I started to write them down, I was like, well, actually, there seemed to be kind of a lot of them. Um, but they caught me a little bit off guard. First, I was thinking, well, the first one I can think of was obviously Adam and Eve. They were walking and talking with the Lord. And certainly in the garden, that was a unique experience there. So they were walking and talking with him there. And then they get cast out and then there's a little bit more of a break, right? So I was thinking, well, that that makes sense, right? That that's that's a unique story. And then I was thinking, well, what about the next patriarchs. What about Noah? We don't have a lot about Noah. And also it seems like some of these prophets, they, they have experiences. It could be Isaiah. It could be Lehi. could be Daniel. could be um, just whomever in the scriptures. They seem to have a Ezekiel, Jeremiah. They seem to have these experiences that are for the people, that they're a greater experience of the prophet being called to go and tell the people but as I kind of unraveled that, I was thinking about Nephi or about Abraham or about Moses. And they're all really deeply personal experiences first, uh, just like Enos. So the first thing then that I kind of took away from that is that God wants to have a, I think, a personal encounter with us that he's reaching out to us and Enos is telling us that same story. I want to tell you about a time when this happened for me, why is Enos putting that here? Why, why is he telling that story? It isn't, this story isn't about all about the Lamanites. This story isn't all about the people of Jerusalem, the people of Zarahemla. This is about one person and his personal conversion story. So I thought that's pretty poignant that things start with us individually. So that, that jumped out at me quite a bit. This is also told from the perspective of Enos, right? I want to tell you about the story. I want to tell you about the wrestle. Um, He uses something interesting here. He uses that word wrestle. And we've talked about this before uh, in the last one, but there's another really fascinating story, and there are a lot of parallels. So if you have not had a chance to read Genesis 32 and Jacob's wrestle, um, it's, it's a fascinating story that is really parallel. Let me draw a couple of the parallels for you. Um, remember, Enos is going to be out on his own in the, it says in the forests. Um, Jacob is out in the wilderness. He's out alone as well. And he goes into the night. And we're going to see that Enos also goes into the night. Jacob, Jacob's name is going to be changed after this experience to Israel. And Israel means one who wrestles with God, one who contends with God. So this, we should just be, this should be ringing in our ears. The story of wrestling with God should tie us back to Jacob. Now, Enos's father was who? Jacob. So yeah, there's that connection too. So I think the Lord is Enos and Jacob and, and the Lord are telling us these stories so they can wrap it together. So they're teaching us something. There are going to be times in our lives when we're going to wrestle with the Lord for, for something, we're going to wrestle 
In this case, Enos is wrestling for a remission of his sins. But maybe there are other times when we're wrestling. We're wrestling to know the Lord. Does God even exist? Is he is aware of us? Uh, maybe we have doubts. Maybe we have questions. Maybe we're just concerned about what's going on in our lives. Maybe our jobs are at stake. Maybe there's a health issue. Maybe the world seems like it's just upside down right now. What's going to happen, Lord? I need thy comfort. I need to know that you're in charge. I need to feel something. Um, or maybe we just need him close. We need to say, I, I need to know you. I need to know thee. And I think that word wrestle is important. It isn't going to be easy. It isn't going to be just a request. It may be something that lasts a long time. It may be something that we really have to work for. So Jacob is going to wrestle with God, and then he becomes Israel. His name is changed to one who wrestles with God, one who contends with God. Enos, you think, well, then what's Enos's name? Um, in Hebrew, it is a Hebrew name as well. We're going to pretty soon not have very many Hebrew names anymore, but um, Enos is a Hebrew name. Uh, Enosh or Enos, and it means man, mortal man, like mankind or just a guy. So uh, Enos was originally Adam's, uh, Seth's son, so Adam's grandson in Genesis. So it's mankind wrestling with God, mankind coming to understand God, drawing near to him, trying to be reconciled to God. It's mankind. It's our story. Enos's story is our story. Yeah, so cool. So cool. Um, there's also a couple other things uh, in, the, in these words that I thought I would share in, in my word study. Uh, Jacob's name, we go back to Jacob for a second, was changed to Israel. I know it said one who wrestles for God, uh, with God or contends with God because of that wrestling match that he has. But also for as a prince um, is a good, a different way to do it as contender uh, who succeeded in his supplication, who is a soldier who has become a prince of God, one who has become one with God. So it isn't just one that fights, but it's one that has has wrestled himself and become reconciled, become a prince, become a son of God. Uh, Hubie Nibley actually talked a little bit about the word to wrestle um, in Hebrew, and it can mean to embrace. It, it can mean to to grapple like a wrestling match like we think of today, but it can also be just something to embrace. It could be um, that this was, uh, as Hubie Nibley says, it can just as well mean embrace and that it was his ritual embrace that Jacob received a new name and the bestowal of priestly and kingly power at sunrise. The parallel to the Egyptian coronation embrace becomes at once apparent. Thus, Enos's wrestle with the Lord was perhaps similar to that of Jacob of old, which involves special covenants and powers. And the reader should note that Enos's father, Jacob, was named after the ancient patriarch. So some other tie-ins, some other tie-ins there. Pretty cool. Lastly, another thing that J uh, Enos immediately tells us is that he says uh, in verse 2, uh, I want to tell you of the wrestle which I had before God, before I received a re remission of my sins. And then in verse 3, another interesting key. Behold, I went to hunt beasts in the forests. What? Like, okay, I like that. There's a couple things in here, right? I think we immediately see 
he's going to be alone. He's taking a time where he knew he was a part and he was going to be in the in nature. I think we can all testify that we can feel the the spirit in nature. We can see the testimony of God's creation in nature and and as well as being alone and apart is important. I also think there might be something here is that he's going to hunt beasts. He's not just going to hunt, but the um, the hunt for him is that he is going to be struck with with kind of a a dart of the spirit. He's going to be um, he's going to be the one that's going to be found by he's kind of the one being hunted in a way. He's he's out there and he is uh, finding some kind of life, new life when he's there. There was a great quote I was looking for here from um, uh, Bruce Satterfield. He taught up at uh, BYU-Idaho, and he had a great comment. Let me see if I can find it here. Oh, oops, it wasn't Bruce Satterfield. It I am looking at um, Taylor Halverson writes a great article called The Book of Enos and the Covenantal Redemption, and he has a great point about this hunting. He says that... He used hunting theme to teach important doctrines. So he was out hunting and experienced a transformative wrestling with God. Instead of hunting beasts by sinking arrows deep into their hearts, Enos discovered that he was the beast who needed to be slain by having the words of his father on joy and eternal life sink deep into his heart. His wrestle, spiritual wrestle, was not a quick and easy experience, but he labored mightily in spirit for his own soul. Uh, so I love that initial that every one of these verses is is just bringing us into the story and teaching us about the wrestle, about the hunt for our own souls, about how the words are going to sink deep into our own hearts and how these spiritual transformations can take place. So if you are on a hunt now for, for additional comfort, for uh, testimony, for understanding of the Lord to be reconciled to him, Enos story is for you, which is all of us, isn't it? I mean, even if we've had these experiences, uh, we may say my whole, my soul hungered and I am crying mightily in prayer and supplication for my own soul. So some great um, parallels here. I want to touch on one last thing um, that, that I studied a little bit in the Genesis story. Most of you know, some of my favorite scriptures are actually the Old Testament. Um, it speaks to me, and I love how hard sometimes you have to work to get to these stories, but when you do get them, they're so poignant. Um, so as I looked through this Jacob story, so we're going to, you're going to see how it parallels Enos, but Jacob's story of wrestling, right? So we kind of talked about last time, but really quickly, um, there's this, the story and it says something like this. Uh, Jacob was left, uh, well, you remember Esau and Jacob, they had had this, uh, Esau was very upset with Jacob after Jacob gets the um, covenantal blessing from his father. And, and Esau feels tricked. And in some ways, he, he kind of was. Um, and in other ways, obviously, Jacob was the righteous son and, and Isaac saw that, that he was supposed to get the birthright as was uh, predicted uh, or prophesied by the Lord while they were still uh, in the womb. But 
But Esau is furious and when he realizes that he's not going to get this double portion and he doesn't get the blessing. And so he vows to kill Jacob and Jacob flees. So after years, right, living apart, Jacob decides to return home and he hopes to make peace with his brother. Of course, he's a little bit concerned that at this point Esau may still kill him and uh, and very, very terrible, terrible event in his life. So you can just imagine the fear the guilt, the pressure, and all those things that Jacob is feeling upon returning home to Esau and his uh, childhood home. And on, and he's, he's, uh, it's at night, and everyone stayed ahead while he stays behind, and it says this, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. And then he said to Jacob, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. What is your name? The man said, Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob. And he said, it will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob, now Israel, wrestles with God. And I, that's always a little bit odd, right? Like, what is that? mean but I think we all can imagine times when we've wrestled with God it could be for days and nights it could be for years it could be for uh, huge portions of our life where we're struggling with something or a specific situation that you're losing nights of sleep you're concerned and you're wrestling with God in prayer and supplication and understanding and for 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 just some kind of uh, confirmation or, or peace or comfort um clarity sometimes we say I, I I know that God is the God of peace and comfort and and yet maybe we're still struggling so we say okay I don't know exactly what Jacob's story was but I know this I know struggle and then we finally reach a place of blessing a place of peace where God has revealed himself this is that that wrestle with God that we've all had and it, we've also come to the peace and the where we meet him and we feel the spirit and the comfort and we understand that interaction with God. Now, as we're kind of looking at this story, uh, let's keep seeing what happens um, right away from this wrestling match because it's really, really cool. It says, and he set up an altar there and he called it God, the God of Israel. Wow, did, wait, did you see that? He's Jacob, and then he sets up an altar, and now it's the God of Israel. Let's go back a few verses and see if we can pick it up. In uh, Genesis 28, uh, uh, the Lord was standing there beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. Okay, okay, the Lord says I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac. Okay, keep going, let's try another one. And then in Genesis 32, Jacob prays, O God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives, and you promised me I will treat you kindly. How about now? See it? Anything different yet? All right, here's another one. Try uh, Genesis 31. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, certainly now you would have sent me off empty-handed. And the verse goes on. There's a common thread here in this passage. You see it? God is the God of Abraham. God's the God of Isaac. 
but it doesn't ever say that God is the God of Israel, God is the God of Jacob, until after he wrestled with God. You see, until Jacob had a divine wrestling match with God, he had a very personal struggle. His faith wasn't cemented. It wasn't his own. Yeah, he, he knew of his father's faith. He knew of his grandfather's faith, but he didn't know of his own faith. And that's the same story of Enos, of all mankind, but of this very particular person. I knew of the story of my father and the words that he had spoken, and I wanted to know for myself. Yes, he knew of his father's faith, but it was only living his faith that he, once he understood God and had that interaction, now it was his God. Um, Job has something similar. After losing everything, his kids, his wealth, his health, and untold hours, he's arguing with his friends. Job finally sees things from God's perspective. At the very end of Job 42, he says, I have heard rumors about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Aren't we a little bit like that? We've grown up our entire life, right? We've been in primary. We've served missions. We've served in the Learning Society. We've um, taught lessons. We've given talks. We've seen conference talks. We've done all those things. And yet sometimes we don't really truly have that fire within us. We don't truly have that testimony. And as we go through our season of trials, this is when we need to know he is our God. He is my God. And I felt the remission of sins. And I knew he was the God of Jacob. He was the God of Enos. He's the God of glory. So there's peace to be had in the wrestle. There is a great amount of forgiveness there's a great amount of uh, covenant and closeness that the Lord wants to bring into our lives. I think that's what's amazing. So if you're struggling today, if you're ready for your divine wrestling match, um, I know the, the world's, world's tough right now. Things are tough, um, and they're probably tough for you too. But here is a story for our day of the Lord saying, I want to draw close unto you. That's it, Scriptorians. Good luck with Enos. There are a lot of verses left. We probably won't get to them together, but enjoy it. Uh, be good to each other. Love you, brothers and sisters.